Welcome everybody to another episode of Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I'm Shane. And this time we're going over the 1989 film Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, yeah, which is uh, kind of a fantastical slice, slice of life uh, film. So it's, it's it, you know, obviously if you've seen the the cover of it, it is a witch. She's on a, on a broom. Uh, but it, it really is kind of a slice of life where, where it's just kind of everyday things are happening with a little bit of fantasy added in. Yep, yeah, because it basically, it goes over Kiki's initial first year. At 13, They all the witches are supposed to go off for a year and train and study uh, and find their own path and then come back and finish their training or whatever. So um, I I don't know a whole lot about uh, Japanese culture. Um, like I mean I know a little bit. I watch a lot of anime, so I see a lot of it. But one recurring theme is this idea that there are children out there of like between the ages of like thirteen and sixteen that are living by themselves without parents and like just going about their life. And it just it, it's so wild to me that this happens in so many different animes. Uh, that I don't know if it actually is a real thing or if it used to be a real thing or, or what, but it's just, it's such a weird trope that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, yeah. And we will, we will discuss that more, um, moving forward for sure. Uh, but, but as always part of, part of the, one of the first things that we talk about, uh, is our animation timeline. And 1989 was a big year for animation, for sure. Uh, Shane, do you do you want any guesses on other movies that came out that year? Uh, 1989. Uh, I'm gonna go with oh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid came out this year, as well as All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh man, I love my Bluth. Yeah, Don Bluth is so good. We should just do a, a a Bluth and the Boys podcast next, and be all about that. Patreon, whenever we, we launch a Patreon. <laughs> uh, and also uh, Dory Raymond, uh, Nabut Birth of mm. Japan, uh, was another big one. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Dead Zone, aka Dragon Ball Z: <laughs> The Return of Gohan. Uh. Dead Zone is that the garlic? Ju- that is the garlic junior. I don't uh, know which ones they are. I, I'm I'm pretty pretty certain that's the garlic junior uh, one, which is which is kind of funny because so so Dead Zone. Um, I don't remember it as Return of Go. Oh, it's Return My Gohan. Yes, it oh, is Return for My sure. Gohan. Sorry, yeah. it is for sure the uh, the Garlic Junior one. The, your your the the Gohan part was like throwing me off, but yeah, okay. he kidnapped he kidnapped Gohan. Uh, but yeah, that, I, I really it's it's a fun uh, DBZ movie, but it leads into the worst arc in Dragon Ball Z history, um, which is the the Garlic Junior saga, which is I think only about seven or ten episodes long in the actual dbc but it's such a throwaway like filler arc and which you don't get a lot of in dbc is because they're always stuck in like they're fighting the saiyans and now they're fighting frieza now they're fighting cell and like so you don't get these throwaways and they threw this one right in between frieza and cell and it was just oh no not frieza and cell it was between the saiyans and frieza i believe and it was just terrible it was just bad (laughs) Okay, just a reminder, don't move around too much because your mic moves. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then one of the, the other movie that came out uh, that's pretty notable is actually a movie that I know you've talked to me about before that I've never seen, and that is Little Nemo's Adventures, of, Adventures in Slumberland. Oh, this is like my childhood movie. Little Nemo's Adventure. I've watched this recently and I still enjoyed it. It's 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 such it it was based off of a comic in like the early 1900s, like like single digit 1900s. Uh and it's it's such a a fun little romp. Uh it's all about a kid that that is he's essentially dreaming and he rides a blimp. 
I, I have this thing, and it's a weird phrase that no one has any idea what I'm saying, but uh, uh, sometimes when I tell, say goodnight to people, I say, enjoy your blimp ride into Slumberland. And it's based completely off of Little Nemo adventures uh, and his adventures in Slumberland, because uh, that's how he gets to Slumberland. He takes a blimp. Uh, but it's it's just it's it's very it's it's very fun it's very fantastical and it's a horrible movie that's still wonderful to me. Yep. Uh, so so I realize this year definitely shows off our ages um, because this is when we're starting to get to the point where you know not necessarily these movies were out when we were younger but these movies were on VHS when we were younger. Yes. So yeah, we we definitely when these movies came out, I was one year uh, one year old. But when I was you know three, four, five, I was definitely watching these. Yep, you grabbed the VHSs and would rent them. Yep. Um. So so yeah, into uh into our talk about uh the uh the movie Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, actually, as I was looking through the credits and looking through a bunch of the people that were were uh kind of more prominent roles uh this one actually has a little to do with little nemo um one of our editors uh or the the editor of this movie uh takeshi sayama is an incredibly prolific editor like 116 editing credits for animation uh throughout his career and here, here's the list of, of notable works that would, would interest our audience. Uh, Castle in the Sky. My Neighbor Totoro. And so, so this editor was very busy in 1988 and 1989. Sounds like it. 1988. Editor for My Neighbor Totoro, Grave of the Fireflies, and Akira. Wow. 1989, editor for Kiki's Delivery Service and Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Then would go on to do Only Yesterday, Pocarosa, Pompoco, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Yamada, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, and The Wind Rises. So that's uh, a pretty prolific uh, editor here. Yeah. Um, and and this is one of our last times that uh, Toru Hara uh, is the animation producer. Uh, Toru Hara came over and was the creator and founder of Topcraft. So when, you know, that animation studio went bankrupt after Last Unicorn... And basically, Miyazaki pulled everyone over. Uh, Toru Hara was uh, the main producer on all the early Studio Ghibli movies. And this would be their second to last Ghibli movie. Because uh, it's this and then only yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, fun fact about, about this movie is that uh, uh, Miyazaki was actually originally only supposed to be a producer for the film. Um. The, the script was originally written by uh, 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 Nobuyuki uh, Ishiki, and, uh, and Suneo uh, Katabuchi was scheduled to, uh, to be the director of the film. Uh, but Miyazaki did not like the script, and Ishiki left, uh, uh, Ishiki left the, the project, and he rewrote it. And then after he rewrote it, he was just like, nah, I'm just going to direct this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Katabuchi ended up being his assistant director. Yep. Um, and, uh, and this is also very notable in the, uh, Studio Ghibli canon. Uh, this is the first movie that the entire band is together that we know of the moving forward. Uh, cause this is the first official movie that, uh, Toshio Suzuki is the producer on. And Suzuki, one of the founders of Studio Ghibli, is finally actually in the producer role and would basically go on to produce everything that Studio Ghibli does from this point forward. Uh, that's 
I did not know that this was the first one of 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 them. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah, because he was he was technically more behind the scenes, and I think was still working at On Homage magazine at this point until this movie. So he made the full transition working for Studio Ghibli exclusively moving from this point forward. Um, and uh, there was actually a little fun little note uh, in the uh, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness documentary. Uh, Miyazaki, one of the things that inspired the style of the of the animation uh, was actually seeing a young girl walking down the street on a very windy day and seeing how the fabric was moving. And he wanted to do something like, oh, how can I get, you know, the wind blowing and bring that to animation? And that's when he found uh, uh, found the story of the flying witch and, and all that and decided to start working on Kiki's delivery service. And it, it's really cool because it does bring a sense of realism to the, uh, to the final product, seeing just the, the little things of like the hair blowing and the fabric blowing yep. in the wind while she's flying and while she's taken off. Um, so that, that's a really cool little ad there. Um, just kind of to, to add on to the, the, uh, the fashion of the, the animation and where things came from uh, for, he actually, the city itself was uh, planned. Uh... Oh, brain fart. Edit here. Uh, Switzerland, I think you said. Uh, yeah, uh, I got it here. Sweden, um, or yeah. Yep. Uh, the city itself was actually based off of Sweden, uh, and Miyazaki actually traveled several times to Sweden to make sure he got things right. And kind of a cool thing is that when you're looking at the street signs at the beginning when she's flying through the city, uh, it's they're actually named after actual uh, streets in Stockholm. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I loved the look of this film, for sure, because... You know, down to down to the character designs and most importantly to me about the colors that were used are are so interesting and so vibrant. Um, I, I put in my notes like I don't think other than Gigi sometimes I don't think the color black exists in this film. Because everything at worst is like a, a darker shade of gray, but everything is so light and airy. Um, yeah, they do. There, there is a lot of shading because they they do a lot with shadow in this movie, but the shadow doesn't bring a darkness to it. Like like you said, it's it's more of a of a lightness uh, because everything is so bright. Um, it just kind of you notice the shadows more because it it kind of. They stick out uh, yep. because of that. Um, I, I I also read that they actually used uh, 462 different colors in the movie when they were uh, when they were uh, drawing it. So it, it is a very very colorful film. Yeah, yeah, and and spe- and speaking of colors, the the two people behind um, the colors, uh, Yukaro Katamaro was the main color key. And they would uh, continue working on Studio Ghibli pretty sporadically. Uh, so they were the color key for this film. And they did ink and paint for Princess Mononoke. And were a cell painter for Pocoroso and Only Yesterday. And then actually it's, it's, it's odd looking at uh, how this is listed. Because their assistant... Um, is Michioko Oyusada, who is actually a color designer and a color key themselves, um, and most notably worked on worked as the color key for Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, worked on Only Yesterday, Pocoroso, Nausicaa. Uh, was the cell painter for My Neighbor Totoro, uh, and then color designers for Castle in the Sky. Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Tales from Earthsea, and Whisper of the Heart. So a vital, vital portion of Studio Ghibli 
all comes from uh, Michio. Oh, wow. Uh, now, as you guys know, uh, I solely watch the English translations of these. Yes. Uh, Kyle does watch both the the uh, the dubbed and the subbed uh, at this point. Um, an interesting thing about the actual subtitles for this is actually it's a translation of the original dubbing. Uh, so they're not actually translating the Japanese. They just they just wrote out what the original dub uh, back in 1990 before Disney dubbed it. Uh, they said in that one. Oh, so the or- the original dub. Okay, that would ma- that would make sense for a couple little lines because actually, as as Kiki's leaving. Uh, as as you were just just uh, watching it before we started recording, as Kiki's leaving and her mother tells her to bring her broom, uh, Gigi, the the cat, uh, decides to take the mother's side, and it's like, no, Kiki, you should you should take your mother's broom. It's better. And in the in the Japanese version. Kiki just calls Gigi a rotten traitor, <laughs> which is yeah, which is just not at all what what she says in the English version. Uh, the uh, the interesting thing is that the uh, the English dub was actually done uh, for Disney was actually edited twice as well. Okay, uh, because. In, in 97, when they did it the first time, uh, Phil Hartman, who voiced uh, uh, Gigi, did a lot of um, improv. He, he, yeah. he, he just he threw a lot of lines in there that, that weren't part of the original script. Uh, and they changed a bit of it around uh, to kind of fit that improv in. And people didn't love that. So they actually re-edited it um, to to bring it back to closer to what the original was, uh, okay. in, I believe it was 2010, uh, yeah, but it was 2010, because I they believe. were, they were, because they were editing out, uh, some of Phil Hartman lines, they did dedicate the redub to Phil Hartman. Um, okay. it was after, after he had, had passed away, but the, the voice cast that, that Disney got for it, unsurprisingly is, is pretty star studded. Uh, even in some of the, the characters that are, um, uh un- even one one being uncredited uh so so yeah. kiki is voiced by kirsten dunst uh back in 97 this would have been right before um really breaking out probably right after it would have been between 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 interview with vampire, interview with vampire. yeah so it would have been between interview with a vampire and bring um, it on and bring it on yeah uh and then and then we've got phil hartman uh, we've got Tress McNeil, uh, who is very widely known in the in the, uh, as a voice actress. Uh, she is actually the voice of Dot for Animaniacs, which, uh, if you don't know, is coming back to Hulu, and that's amazing. Yeah, we and might so have Pinky to do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we've got Janine Garofalo playing Ursula, um, who, uh, as we get later in, she's going to be the one that that she meets in the cabin. Uh, Matt, that's okay. <laughs> That's who Ursula was. I couldn't remember who Ursula was. Yeah, Ursula and Tombo being uh, Tombo being the 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 boy that was that was obsessed with Kiki um, were two voices that I was just like, I know that voice. Why do I know that voice? And it was Janine Garofalo, and then Tombo was Matthew Lawrence. <laughs> and uh, if you know anything about Disney in the late '90s, the Lawrence brothers were like gold. Like if you if you had a Lawrence brother in it, that that that's a hit. Except um, Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World was amazing. What are you talking about? Yeah, but when he got on there, wait, it was still great. What are you talking about? All right, he actually. I I feel like you didn't like the college years, and the college years were still amazing. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's just two other voices here to to, to throw on there. Uh, Debbie Reynolds played uh, Madam, who uh, would be the the woman that that was baking the uh, the fish pie. What was that? That yeah, it was like how. Uh... I just remember what it was. It was like Halliburton or something. Not Halliburton because that's a company. Um, but yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a fish pie. <laughs> it would be weird if it was a Halliburton pie. It would be very oily. Um, and then uh, and then the other one, which is kind of interesting, uh, uncredited as uh, Fukio, who 
says, I think, one word in the entire movie uh, is Brad Garrett. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 saw, I saw that as I was looking up. And I'm, I'm assuming Fukio is the, uh, as we joked, the baby daddy or at least the husband or boyfriend of Osano. Correct. Correct. Yep. That that is that is the uh, the man who works in the shop that that I don't think he's married to her. There's no ring on that finger. So I think I'm just gonna say baby daddy, unwed mothers. Um. But yeah, or no, it's, it's, it's just it's, really hard to animate a finger. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna sit here and just believe that it's just a baby daddy. That that they're they are they are pushing that that marriage is a construct that doesn't necessarily need to, need to happen. Yo. Unless, unless you want tax breaks, then then get married. Tax breaks are great. Uh, so <laughs> back to the movie. Uh, but yeah, so so movie starts uh, with with Kiki in her hometown. She's laying, she's just laying on a hill, uh, watching the things go by, and we find out pretty quick on that that she's a witch, um, and that when you turn thirteen as a witch, you you go off on your own, and she. Uh, is excited for that because apparently when you're 13 in this going and living by yourself is a great thing. I would have been terrified to do that, but you know, teach their own. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I realize. Yeah, we're like 20 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to the opening credits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oops. Uh, it's it's just a fun movie to talk about in general. So I, I really well the thing about this movie is that there's the there a lot doesn't necessarily happen in the movie. Like I said before, no. it's a slice of life, but it's a fun movie to watch and talking about the background of the movie and how the movie looks. Like that's I think more important necessarily than the plot itself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, oh, here here was another credit uh, that. So I, I was going to joke, I was like, oh, the entire band's together for this movie. And then I was like, but Takahata's not doing anything. Like, one of the founders isn't doing anything. So this is actually the only movie that has everyone working on it. Like, this and Only Yesterday are the only two movies that have the key of Suzuki, Takahata, Miyazaki... Uh, Joe Hishiyashi, uh, Toru Haro, all working on it because Takahata is actually the musical director for this movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which it makes perfect sense because he is the one who found Joe Hishiyashi. And so him, you know, being the one selecting the songs and, and pulling out those stuff as musical director makes a lot of sense and he finds that amazing doo-wop song that is the opening credits theme that is a that is a very fun song uh it also makes sense to me that that this is those two are the movies that that they all work on yes uh, just from the standpoint of this being their first actual breakout hit when it comes to right away in the box office yep uh, and then only yesterday being their follow-up spoiler alert our next movie that we're going to be doing yes uh, so it makes sense that 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 after Kiki uh, succeeded so well they would all then go and work on only yesterday together too yeah well and I and I think it it seems like this and and only yesterday were were Toru Haro Hara's I think his stamp of approval only yesterday is his stamp of approval to Suzuki of like nope you're good you can take over you don't need me. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, because he basically retires after only yesterday. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, yeah. So, so we've got this awesome doo-wop song uh, that I'm going to look up right now. Right. Well, right before that awesome doo-wop song, th there's, there's an interesting thing that happens. Uh, so, uh, just from a background standpoint of they it's, it's kind of a throwaway saying that she's not great at flying yet. Um, and she hits a couple trees on her way out of town uh, and bells ring when she hits the trees. The, the fun thing about that is that the original creator uh, of the story, uh, Aiko Kadono, 
uh, was insistent on those bells being, it was the one thing she insisted on uh, when reading for the script uh, is that those bells be in the story to prove that she had been practicing flying. Um, okay. So it, it seems like such a little throw off and like, why are those bells there? But, but the creator, the person who wrote the book is, was very much like, no, this needs to happen. This needs to be here. Yeah. Uh, and, it, it's it's such a throwaway little thing to be so adamant about, but it does add to it in my in my opinion. Because yes. when when those bells ring when she hits the trees, like my first thought was like, oh, that was either a uh, an alert to the parents saying like, oh, she's she's back, or it was straight up like like if we hear the bells, that means that you're doing it wrong, kind of thing. So it was it's kind of a fun little add on. Yeah, and and the and the and the doo-wop song, I'm going to completely not even try the actual title of the song because I cannot pronounce it at all. Um, but it was, it was done by, uh, Aria Yumi. Um, if you're going to look it up, it's actually is on Spotify. If you look up, uh, Aria Yumi, which is a R A I, uh, you, Y U M I. And you'll, you'll hear, you'll hear, you'll be able to figure out which song it is pretty easily. So, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I really, I really liked this movie. <laughs> if you can't tell from how much I'm kind of gushing over the little things. Yeah. It, it's, it's a fun, it, it's a great, uh, I would say not necessarily kids, but great young adult movie. Like this is great to show, uh, uh, children probably between the ages of like eight and 15. Like, I, I think that, 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 that age range would be like really on point and like really interested in this. Really? Especially yeah. Especially younger. Uh, yeah. Especially young girls, uh, just really showing in, uh, this, this independent, uh, perseverance, uh, uh, young girl really just, just doing her best and, and succeeding after failing multi uh, at times. And yeah, I, I just, I, I think this is, a I think it's an important film when it comes to the, the Studio Ghibli uh, universe. Yes, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, as so, so we get in and we meet, we meet Osana uh, who is, who's just like, I just wrote in my notes, like she's just a nice person. Like she's just super nice. Like, you know, yeah. everybody as, as Kiki gets into this new town, she's kind of a little defensive of, and you know, Almost gets hit by a bus that says Studio Ghibli, uh, which is fun. Uh, yep. Nice um, little add-in. Yeah, nice little add-on, and and then you know meets meets Osana, who's who's this baker, and you know Osana, you know realizes who she is, what she's doing, and it's like, oh, you must be a witch training. Uh, where are you staying? Oh, you don't have a place to stay? You can stay here. And I mean, back at this time, that that kind of thing works. But, uh, yeah. you know, don't just live with somebody you just met. Just, just for you people at home thinking about it. At least it's like a separate, different, completely part of the house, you know? Yeah. She's essentially paying rent by working at the, at the store, too, yeah. so... Yes. So it works out pretty well. It's it's Sean Hunter living over the garage in Boy Meets World, you know. Yes. Or no, that I would was also Fonzie. Uh, I would also. Uh, was it Fonzie? Uh, yes, I remember. Um, it's one of those two shows. I I would also like to say though, if you are gonna have a thirteen year old live with you, don't make them work at your store. That's illegal. Yes. Just, just for those who get it's home, fifteen about it. now. Yeah, I think it's fifteen that you can start a job. Yeah, uh, fourteen, but you can only work three hours at a time. Okay. As a fourteen-year-old that had a job, I mean, unless they changed it since then. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, and and then you get these nice little little things when she gets in the town. She meets she meets uh Tombo, uh, who. She immediately dislikes, but I think she dislikes him because she likes him. Because uh, all he is is nice to her, and she's just like, "No, I'm independent. I don't need. I don't need you." Uh, and then, you know, grows to to be fond of him 
uh, that she she meets uh, uh, the the madam uh, through a uh, delivery. Yeah, yeah, uh, as, meets... as yeah, as she starts doing her deliveries. Um, madam's the one of the first people that you know to take take her up on the delivery thing and. Yeah, like it makes a lot of sense that that's Debbie Reynolds cuz the voice just seems like nice and calming and mm-hmm. you know. And It did lull it right away it lulled me into a false sense of security cuz I thought for sure there was going to be a twist when I first watched this of me and like she's going to be evil. She's going to be bad. Uh and then no, she just was just super nice. Uh, that's but, that's fine because her granddaughter completely is so ungrateful and evil that it makes up for it, and that that was almost the little twist of like. I wouldn't say she was evil. She was definitely ungrateful. She's but, completely but she ungrateful. She, yeah. She, uh, both both of the little kids that she does deliveries for have this sense of of just not not super that they're they come from a place of means. So like when they get gifts, they're just they're just not they're they're like oh I don't like this and they just throw it to the side, and it happens twice. Uh, one with once with the black cat uh, doll, uh, which was actually Gigi uh, standing really stiff since she lost the actual doll. Yeah. Uh, and then again with the with the fish pie thing, um, where they just they 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 show these kids that that already had something you know, already had a nice life. They, 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 they come from a rich family that things are going well for them that take these nice, uh, wonderful, heartfelt presents and just kind of throw them to the side. Uh, and it, it's this, it, it, I, I can see why it's, it's in there and why they put it. it. It's just this one thing of just like, be, you know, be thankful for what you have. Other people don't have what, what you do. Yeah. Um, and you know, something that, that you might not appreciate is something that someone else would appreciate greatly. So it's a nice little message. This this movie is just full of nice little messages. Yes, I I agree. Um, and one of those messages that we do learn from the madam is, uh, kids, if you're if you're there with like an older relative, and they don't know how technology works, you know, help them move their clocks ten minutes ahead. Um, because they don't know how to do it clearly. Um. <laughs> that so yeah like part of why she's late uh meeting up with tombo and you know late with the delivery is because this old lady is like oh yeah my 10 minute my clocks are 10 minutes behind didn't i tell you that earlier it's like no you didn't tell us that earlier you nice old woman um also, said, why? Before everything was digital, I set all of my clocks uh, to be ahead so that I would I would tr- try to trick myself into getting places on time. It was just a weird thing that I did. Yeah, no, I, the, I, yeah, I still do that with my car. Like, and, and but the thing is, I would never set them all ahead to the same time. Like they'd all be different because I would always remember that they're ahead, but I would never remember which one is so far at like which okay. time ahead it was. So that I would be like, look at my clock, the, my my old alarm clock in the in home, and be like, oh crap! And then I'd look at my microwave crap clock and be like, oh no, I, I've I've got to be here. I don't know which one. I, I'm either I'm either I've either got five minutes or three minutes, so I should probably just get going now. And yeah, yeah. It's it's a wonderful trick that doesn't work anymore because everything's digital. Everything's digital. Yeah. Uh, um. But but, but it's, yeah. It's, Oh, you go ahead, Shane. Oh, I was going to say, it, uh, it's just a story where there's a lot of people helping each other out, uh, where which is also very noticeable with Ursula, who she meets because she drops that black cat, uh, and then Ursula picks it up because she thinks it's cute, and and they they bond very shortly, but they but uh, she tells Ursula to come see her when she comes into town, and Ursula actually is is. Uh, does a lot for Kiki and with just little things of just having her come and stay a couple days with her, you know, show her that, that she, she was being used as a model to, uh, to uh, draw this very uh, interesting painting, uh, which is an actual real painting that was done by um, uh, uh, special needs students from a school in Japan. Oh, that's cool. 
I didn't yeah. I didn't see that little bit. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Cause yeah, I, I like I liked the I, the design of that painting. So yeah. Yep the the painting it's the the real painting is called the ship flying over the rainbow. Uh, and so it, it's really cool when they have these little additions like that. And and you know it, she's just there for support and to be a friend. And it it once again the movie just shows that sometimes all you need is a friend to get you through some troubled times. Yeah yeah and like yeah Ursula really helps rebuild kind of Kiki's confidence because Kiki you know over the course of the movie you know she can't hear Gigi talk anymore and then she can't fly anymore and she's kind of in this like the the closest thing you get to a crisis you know in this movie is like oh I can't fly anymore like it's more of a crisis of confidence than anything else it's definitely self-doubt and the, the, yeah. the actual villain of this movie is herself in the idea that that she just she as you said loses confidence in herself uh and and that's i mean wonderful for a kid's movie honestly yeah it's, well it's, and, it's and yeah that... yeah and, and yeah and even even ursula like in in talking about the painting more um was you know she's like oh no kiki i want i want you to model for me um and and kiki's like but i'm not beautiful She's like, no, you are like, y you know, like, don't think what everybody else is, you know, talking about, like, you're beautiful in your way, which is a great message for a kid's movie. Like you said. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of this. This movie itself is Kiki saying she can't do something and then someone telling her, no, you can just believe. Yep. And and that's where we get to the, you know, the crux of the movie at the end where uh uh, her her friend uh, um, Tombo is obsessed with flying. He wants to fly. He tries to build a. At one point, he has a propeller on the front of a bike. Where the, the, when he turns his. So the thing about this one is when he turns the pedal on the bike, the bike doesn't. The wheels don't start to go. The propeller starts to go, which makes the bike itself useless. But they still yeah. ride it to the beach, and then I'm just like, how are they going to stop? Like this makes no sense. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but he's obsessed with flying, and there's a blimp that lands, uh, lands in the city, and he's able. He gets on the. He's excited because he gets to ride on the blimp, and he goes to ride on the blimp, and uh, they're. I forget exactly what happens, but the blimp itself, uh, I, even though I literally watched this scene 10 minutes ago, uh, the blimp itself uh, uh, is going down, essentially. I don't know if there's a hole or an, or an engine goes out well, because it's still, it's still full of he helium and up in the air. Um, oh, and another interesting thing about while it's going down, because they put it on the news, uh, the quote that is said... Um, while the 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 blimp is is uh, crashing uh i believe is is it oh the humanity i oh, i joked that they were going to say oh the humanity because of the hindenburg but i don't think do they actually say oh the humanity yes they use the, yeah it is oh the humanity because it is the same it is the same quote that was said on tv for the hindenburg okay. I, I, I read this fact a minute ago, I once again cannot find it. Um, uh, so, so they use the same quote from the Hindenburg disaster uh, because th this is full of little little puns and callbacks. There's um, uh, as well that we won't get into all of them. But uh, uh, so she goes to save. I completely lost my train of thought just from trying to think of that quote. Uh, she goes to say save Tombo. Um, and actually, like, bef before we get to her saving, so even though she's not able to fly, she's still making some deliveries. Like, Osana basically is pushing her, like, no, you should still do some of these. And she actually goes to the madams um, and has a nice little scene, like, knowing how ungrateful the madam's granddaughter is. Um, the fact that Kiki is so nice and and so grateful for the gift that she receives on on the opposite end of that and like actually wants to befriend this older woman um, is actually really cute. 
Yeah, she even what's nice is that they they ask each other their birthdays so they can both give each other a gift because she ends up getting a cake for Kiki gets a cake for her birthday from uh, from the madam and she says, well, I need to know yours now so I can also give you one. Yeah. And it's just, it's a sweet moment. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, yeah. It's super sweet. And it's like, oh, this is adorable. And then it's like, oh, there's a blimp crashing on TV. Yes. Uh, and and this is when, you know, she can't fly on the broom. Her broom has actually been broken at this point because she was trying to get herself to fly. She was trying to force herself to fly and she fell and broke her her uh, her broom. So she borrows a uh, she ends up running and realizing she had to save her friend uh, who is. Uh, oh, he's not on the blimp itself. He is dangling from a rope below the blimp because when it was when the blimp whatever this this crash thing is uh however it ends up getting messed up which i don't still don't really understand uh they're trying to hold it down with a rope and he's the only one who doesn't let go and so he's dangling from the rope as the blimp is going yeah uh and so she finally she runs into town she takes a broom from a street sweeper uh and uses it to fly um, which is a a fun thing a little bit later uh when they're showing the sweet street sweeper later he in a as she's saving him, he goes, that's my broom. And behind him in the scene is the only ever uh, cameo from uh, Miyazaki in a film. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Uh, in the upper right corner of the picture, there is a, uh, there is a character that is, that is fashioned after Miyazaki's likeness. He doesn't say anything. He is literally just standing in the corner, but it is, it is a sprite of Miyazaki that was made for this film to, commemorate him since he is the director yeah. uh and, but it's the only time that they've ever that he's ever done that in any of these movies in any of his movies so okay which is cool. kind of a, a cool little fact uh and so uh she overcomes her her self-doubt her her inability to, to fly uh it takes a minute while she's doing it and she's able to grab his hand and lower them to safety uh and it's 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 a it's a wonderful ending uh and there's a weird kind of finish to this movie in in the in the difference between the japanese version and the american and and the uh the american dub and that's the idea that uh Gigi uh in the japanese version uh and also in the book does not speak again and in the american version he talks again now the whole idea behind this is that in the book itself and in the japanese version uh when the witches grow older, they actually lose the ability to talk to their cats because their connection is strong enough that they don't need to actually speak to connect. Okay. So in the American version, they felt like that probably wouldn't get get by, that, that people wouldn't really realize that. So they made sure for, to have Gigi say another line instead of just giving the allure that they are they are connected. Uh, because in... in, in in the non in the uh, subtitled and Japanese, the the idea that Gigi goes out of his way to come and jump on her shoulder and and be connected with her was enough. While while in the American, they just went, no, he's got to say something. They got to know that that she's she's fully back. Yeah. So it's well, it, it's a weird difference. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird difference. Uh, you also at, the, at this point, uh, Gigi's going off and uh, getting some, uh, and oh, has yeah. like an entire litter of kittens um well that's at the that's at the the end credits yeah that's in the end credits uh the uh miyazaki actually wanted uh to give people something to stay for and to watch those end credits he wanted to have essentially a sequel in the final credits so that people would would sit there and watch it to kind of show like this is what happens to everybody. I mean, he doesn't go like obviously far in the future, you know, he doesn't, but, but, you know, he, he essentially shows like kind of the next year in a montage fashion, you know, Kiki talks to her parents and they're excited for, her. um, uh, <laughs> Gigi has his children. Tombo finishes his plane. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, Oh, uh, uh, Asono and Fukio are, are sitting there with, with their, with their baby. Yes. Uh, just lots of little moments. Yeah, and I, and I like those those little moment like wrap ups in the credits, because um, that's you know that's kind of been a staple thus far of Studio Ghibli is like doing that and just like, 
hey, I know you guys all probably want to know where the story goes from here. Here's a few little snippets. You know, they did that in Nausicaa. They did that in Castle in the Sky. You know, they did that in My Neighbor Totoro. They didn't do it in Grave of the Fireflies because you knew what happened and you were sad about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Castle in the Sky, they didn't really do a lot of it. They mostly followed the tree up, but there was a little bit of it. Yeah. Uh, But... But there was still something in the in the credits to yes. kind of have people stick around, for sure. Uh, and yeah, I think that's. I, I mean, we've we've gone through the whole movie. I mean, obviously, we jumped around. We didn't hit every little bit, but we don't really need to in this one. Like, I yeah, said, it's, we, it's slice of life. It's just there. There's parts that we left out that I I also find endearing and and fun and nice and you know go and watch it if you haven't like hit those parts yeah it's yeah it's so good yeah everybody's gonna take out take a little bit different from the movie and you know yeah it's 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 just really well done and like spoilers for an episode we're gonna do later like uh so far like as far as a like movie movie this is now like my number two Ghibli movie. You okay, know? right, right behind uh, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, for for just how well made it is and how how good it is, at least of our first half that we've watched thus far. So for me, for just enjoyability, I'm gonna put this one and Fireflies two. Yeah, I think Fire Grave of the Fireflies is the better film. Uh, like all together when it comes down to just yes. script and everything that goes on. But this one is just so for what it is made to be just, just wonderful. Wonderful is a good yeah. word for it. It's wonderful. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's so wonderfully made. Like I said, it's, it's, you know, so many of these elements, like we're getting studio Ghibli really hitting their stride, you know, from this point forward. You know, and and that's exciting as we're going, you know, chronologically. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, chronologically, the next one uh, only yesterday will actually be a Takahata film. Uh, Miyazaki and Takahata kind of did a bit of trading back and forth. Uh, I mean, there's there's little things here and there where where other people might have come in, mostly to help, because uh, really there's not many films that that these two do not actually helm themselves yes. at least not until the late 20 uh 2000s yeah but, yeah um, yeah we've we've got a while until until there's other directors involved but uh but um only yesterday is kind of a weird it's going to be a weird change cuz i've seen this one uh so it's 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 less it is still slice of life, but less fantastical. So it'll be kind. Of, it's it's interesting because it's it's nice and and good. It's a good movie in a different way than this one. So it'll be a fun fun little trip for us. It, it's going to be different than all the other ones that, that we have watched so far. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Kiki's? Uh, no, I'm just I'm like like I said, this was the first time I'd watched it. So so it was it was just you know nice and and breezy to get through. I didn't want to make that pun since she's flying around all the time, but like it's 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 just such so nice and light and fun. Yeah. It's a it's a uh beautifully drawn uh movie with just a a sweet story. Uh yeah. and and like I said, if 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 you have kids that are uh, b- between the ages of like eight and 14, like this is going to be a really nice movie to show them. Uh, and I, even, even now, even after it's, you know, 30 years old, it's still going to be a really nice movie to show them. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's, just, it's so well done. And yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that, you know, through the course of this, I'm going to be able to see so many movies that I haven't seen before. And knowing that the quality of them is going to be so, so high. Yeah, for sure. 
and I literally have Rachel messaging me right now saying, I want to do Hell's Moving Castle. It's like, I know. <laughs> we all want to do Hell's Moving Castle, Rachel. <laughs> I'm going to cut all. that out. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, th- thanks once again for, for listening to this episode. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Hey, uh, leave a comment. Leave a review on iTunes. If that's how you're listening to this, make sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel if that's how you're preferring to listen to this. And, and still remember on the YouTube channel, if you're subscribing, uh, once we get to 100, I will be able to show Kyle Akira, and I'm very excited for that. Yeah, we really want to do that, so can you guys get on that, please? <laughs> I'm kidding. You I, guys can only can... Make, I can only make so many dummy accounts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then make sure, uh, Shane, uh, do your plugs for your podcasts. Uh, for sure. So I'm doing Miyazaki and me. Uh, I am also, uh, uh, doing, um, every now and then I do a fantasy football podcast that isn't really fantasy football and really doesn't happen very often anymore just because of the weird year that we're having. Um, so listen to fantasy hangover when it comes out sporadically. Uh, we're hoping to get a couple more of those episodes out, uh, sporadically. Uh, and, uh, on, on a different note, uh, it's still going to, we are still about a week away from the election. If I am correct by, for my release calendar. Yeah. This comes out the day after we recording it. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're about a week and a half away from the election. Uh, if you haven't early voted uh, or voted by mail yet, uh, get out there and vote uh, or have a plan to vote on Election Day. Uh, I'm just going to straight up put my opinion into this, you know, get get Trump out of office and vote, and vote for Biden. So opinionated, I know. I, I didn't mean to go political, but do it. Um, I completely agree with what Shane said. Uh, and yeah, so thank you all for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with only yesterday. Be good to each other.